Beverly McMahon. This is the second time I've come down to this ring tonight. And I refuse to go back up that aisle, come down a third time for a match. So I'm going to turn around. I'm going to be hating with the posse to give you a chance with this steel chair. I'm leaving on the mat for you to hit me with the first shot. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, Blue Dollar, Maine, Event, Status, Radio, with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Dirty. What a maneuver! No. <laughs> no. Okay, let me try this again. What a maneuver! No. Come no. on, buddy. Uh, You're in the wrong place. Oh, sorry. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to Russell Spective. No. God. <laughs> We're going to be here all night if you do every uh, uh, wrestling podcast you listen to. <laughs> That is the geek plan. Oh, no. Well, then I'm out of here. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another stimulating edition of Main Event Status Radio. There we or, go. According, or, according to the web search that I looked at this past week, <laughs> Status for Haters Radio. Status for Haters is one of my most favorite search terms that we've seen. Usually, it's just all those, like, on whatever, unknown search terms. So to actually see one makes me happy. Yes, because I put up uh, that up on Twitter this past week that when, <laughs> as I was checking it at work one night at, at my lunch break, and I saw somebody searched status for uh, status for haters. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? So I had to take a screenshot of it, edit it down, and put it up, up on the Twitter machine. Taking Beverly Hills, saying that that we might have to switch the podcast name from Main Event Status Radio to Status for Haters Radio, or will will CM Punk show up in TNA Radio? I don't know if I want to cover anything about TNA, Jack. <laughs> well, someone wants to know. There's there is demand for it because they found our website that way. That is true. Talk about people finding their website, Beverly Hills. I wanted to ask, since we are in our month of first, Jack, and they were a special cast, but our first-time guest, so they fit in our month of first on main event status radio. Yes. Did you, by chance, listen to the Brian Alvarez or the Trey Dent interviews yet? Yes, you have been a busy man, Mr. Dog. You've been on different podcasts. You've had people on ours. You've outdone yourself in this month of October. I've been slacking off, getting married, traveling, and here you are putting your nose to the grindstone, working like the working man you are, bringing bringing eyeballs and earballs to our podcast. Uh, Cannot thank you enough there, buddy. I wanted to say that. This is what happens when the dirty dog has a week and a day off from work. <laughs> Beverly, I am happy that this will be the only time you're getting married, Jack. 
it's that's the plan, man. Because I don't know if I can physically handle taking another week and a day off just to record a lot that many more podcasts. Oh, you you never want to take vacation. When I am when I was on vacation, I got bored. <laughs> when I get bored, what do I do? I get guests on. Podcasts. I, I like get, it. I get guests on. Oh, I thought you said you get gassy. That's only if I eat gassy food, Jack. Okay. <laughs> did you get gassy at my wedding? How did, what'd you what did you think about the food, Dirty Dog? Well, technically we could have talked about that uh last week, Jack. I but... know, but we just didn't talk we just decided not to. Yes. The food was good. Okay, thank you. Red Wind was a little dark. <laughs> it was a little dark. <laughs> well, it was after dark, Jack. Yeah. Were the, were the freaks coming out at night? Yes. <laughs> That's why Mama D and I were there. <laughs> well, we appreciate Mama D and you f- gracing us with your presence. The food was fabulous. I got sucker punched a few times by uh, Daddy Daddy B, Daddy V, Daddy H, Daddy Hills. Daddy Hills, you are one of Daddy Hills' most favorite members of the wedding party. I am happy to hear that. <laughs> Is this something that you were able to share on the podcast why I was one of his favorites? I needed to share that because he he wanted he wanted me to tell you that. You can tell Daddy Hills that that touches my heart. Oh, because <laughs> it does. <laughs> Good stuff. But yeah, I wanted to you know plug the shows that I had with Brian Elvers at Death at WCW, and yep. the Monday Night Wars version one with the Captain mm-hmm. Obvious Troy Dent. Yep. And then it was good stuff. Listen, listen to them both. Did a, uh, really awesome having those uh, those guys on. Uh, very knowledgeable. Very cool stuff. You asked some good questions too. So we may as well get into what we're covering tonight uh, here. Have, have and kissing we, hour. We're yes. ready to go. We should uh, get into what we're covering here, right here in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> Yay! Woo, my cheap. He's talking about us. Yeah, there's my cheap pop. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> We're in the Kemper Arena for the WWE version of the first episode of SmackDown. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, and what it was that, that's the Smack the officially known as the SmackDown special. Yes. Right. Yes, because I did. As usual, Beverly Hills, What's I up? did some uh, Wikipedia search. Okay, all just, right. Just like my buddy Brian Alvarez from com. I was looking into, you know, I, as noted on the podcast before, that I always print up the Wikipedia entry for whatever episode that we're watching for I can make sure I got the names and such down. Got it. And the spelling's correct and all that for my notes. <laughs> and I did notice that, you know, this episode had... Some dark matches on beforehand. Ooh, okay. Tell me about And well, I didn't write down all the all, all of them, but it, there's one of note that I had to take down. Okay. Later on in 1999, we get a debut in Kurt Angle. Oh, okay. Guess who wrestling in a dark match on this night? Oh, I'm hoping Kurt Angle is who you're talking about because that'd be a really weird. 
um, non sequitur if you just talked about him and then it wasn't him. No, it wasn't him. It was oh. Sergeant Slider. <laughs> God, you set me up and knocked me down on that one. That was awesome. Beverly Hills, give me your hand because I'm pulling you back up. It was Kurt Angle. Oh! Oh my God. You got me so good. Jack, because that is the game plan. I'm, I'm as now all the listeners are knowing, I am the most gullible person <laughs> on the face of this earth. You could have told me it was the freaking Easter Bunny, and I would have been like, oh, that's weird that he was on it. It looked like it was Kurt Angle. <laughs> but yes, it was Kurt Angle, and he defeated the California kid. The, Cal- the California, who's the California kid? I don't kid? know, because I didn't. Well, they did have, you know, his name underlined in blue and all that. I did click his name. They didn't have anything in, anything entry, anything put into his entry. Okay, well, I'm looking it up right now. See if I can find so, yeah. something. So, yeah, because I did find it very, very interesting to see that, yeah, they were having Kurt Angle wrestle some dark matches before, I'll say, his debut and, debut and all that, get him used to the crowd and everything like that. Okay. So yeah, that did touch my heart a little bit seeing that Kurt Angle was at the very first SmackDown, but not on television. Okay. Looks like California Kid is some guy. He's got long blonde hair. He's wearing a shirt that says California Kid on it. He his career highlights is that he worked a dark match for WWE SmackDown against Kurt Angle in 1999. That's funny. You may also want to know that the California kid is now retired and referees Tough Man amateur boxing competitions. Special thank you to the California kid, Scott Little, for getting in touch with us and helping with his profile. Ding! Scott Little, the California kid, now I can officially say you got plugged on Status for Haters podcast. Status for haters. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, we may, as well, get get in, we may get as well get into this because I wanted to mention that little nugget that Kurt Angle wrestled the dark match. Okay. Okay. Then we sh- the show opened with the classic Attitude Era opening with the Scratch yes. logo and all that. Then mm-hmm. we saw a video package. Okay. Yep. At first, I thought it was to hype up The Rock and Triple H, but it's solely just hyping up Triple H. Yes, it is. Why yep. were they? Why were they piping up Triple H Beverly Hills? Wally had just won the championship on Monday, three days before this. So, and what happened the night before Monday Night Raw? Oh, that was the famous uh, SummerSlam with Jesse the Mind Venter and his long sleeve ref shirt, uh, <laughs> refing uh, that main event match between uh, Mankind. Uh, Triple H and Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone okay. Cold. All right, yeah, yeah, and it shows Triple H hitting the pedigree, but then Mankind stealing the victory on that one. So I guess Mankind wanted Triple H not to have a nice day. <laughs> yes, yep. And then it showed. Okay, I want to talk about that arm breaking with oh, Jim Jay- Ross. That was like the most fake sounding arm break ever. It was like crunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, that was that was pretty badly done. But that was part of it. Um, and just it it kind of shows just him kind of losing his mind there uh, after not getting the the title. 
uh, just beating a lot of uh, different people up, lots of chair shots, and uh, just finally leads to that that winning the title there with the help of Shane on on the Monday right before this. So well, I got two things. One, okay. what what is your thoughts on Triple H's cast that he wore on SmackDown? His what? His cast? Yeah, did I think Triple, Triple H wore a cast? No. Jim Ross wore a cast. Oh, I, I didn't see JR. No, I didn't see him. Because it looked pretty fake to me. Oh, well, I'm sure it was. Oh, there's there is there a run-in on this Unsatisfied for Haters podcast, Beverly Hills? <laughs> Why? Can you hear Mrs. Hill? Yes. <laughs> anyway, then yeah, the second talking thing... Her, she's talking with her friend on the phone. I'm sorry if that, everyone That's fine. <laughs> then, well, okay, the second thing was... I don't remember now. Hmm. Sorry, buddy. We were talking about Triple H. Yeah, but winning the title. When, yes, we were talking. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, sorry, buddy. I, I am sure. Throw it out. I am sure when when I get to it, I'll probably throw. Yeah, I'll probably mention it. Okay, good stuff. All right, all right. Then, uh, yeah, then we would uh, go to the classic SmackDown intro. Yes, everybody on the ground. Everybody <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we have Jim Ross walking us to the very first edition of WWF Thursday Night Smackdown with Are you ready for Smackdown? Sausage, JR Sausage. I just wrote, I'm ready for it, JR. I am just ready for it. Yes, and obviously <laughs> the kid is with him. And yep. I find it very, very odd to hear Jim Ross calling Smackdown. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Because I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but we watched episode four, yeah? Yeah, Michael Cole was there. Yeah, Michael Cole was there, so that was interesting to see the episode one just three weeks prior. And just in general, I guess I can get to it now. I just felt like, I don't know, maybe this shows you a lot about the Attitude Era booking or about Vince Russo or whatever, but we watched one that was three weeks later, and outside of the Al Snow Big Boss Man thing... You could have told me that that was two years later. Oh, actually, it, actually it was no, no, so different. Yeah, you mentioned why I wanted the second question I had was Shane McMahon. Yeah, right. Because was... because we have about what month or so ago we we covered episode four of SmackDown and how I don't know if episode four was them finally turning Shane McMahon face, but you know on this it was though. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like how did. Shane McMahon become a heel from episode one of SmackDown to a face within three weeks later. Yeah, and he's not he's not like even inkling that he would be turning face. Yeah. Like he he is a heel died in the wall. You know, there's no there's nothing showing that he he would turn. And you know, and then there are people who are completely off the show. Like there's no reference of Shawn Michaels three weeks from now. There's well, I will mention that when we get talk, talk about Shawn Michaels in the main event. Sure. So. Okay. And I mean, just there's so many things that it, like I said, this could have been six months. This could have been a year <laughs> before the other thing. Yeah. Cause so. I know you mentioned Vince Russo and I know uh, he's been on Jim Ross's podcast before he's been on Stone Cold's podcast before. And I do remember him mentioning that when McMahon, Vinnie Mac, wanted to bring SmackDown on and wanted him and wanted Vince Russo and I think Ed Ferreira yeah. also do you know, another two hours of SmackDown, they, they didn't want to do it. 
because sure. you know they have very little time with their family already. That means they're going <laughs> to lose that much more time with with their family, not get a pay raise. So I think right on this, t- I don't, I don't know if Vince Russo wrote the first episode of SmackDown. I assume he did, but I don't know if he was there much. A couple weeks later, with uh, fourth fourth episode of SmackDown that we reviewed. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know when he left or not. Yeah, cause I, well, because I know it was right around that, right around this time that he left, and a couple months later he showed up in WCW. Right, correct. So I kind of want to mention that, mention that then, right away from the start, as we see, fifteen years later, one two, is this on? Talking about Vince Russo booking, we have the WWF champion Triple H in China coming down to the ring. Right. I, yep. men- I mentioned that because, like we mentioned on the fourth SmackDown, fourth SmackDown, China when she's with Triple H, she's a heel, but when she's by herself, yeah. she's a face. Yes. So yeah, seems the- at this point she's just she's heel always. Yeah. A couple weeks later. But that seemed like a natural progression. Even though it's still weird that she was heel when she was with Triple H. Yeah. yeah, Trips came down with jeans on and no shirt and a jacket and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Just, yeah. Jeans with. No jacket. Just jeans. Yeah. With a belt strapped around his waist and all that. Yep. Stonewashed mom jeans. Then Triple H said he has four words for the crowd. And he tells us that he's a World Wrestling Federation champion. Seven words. Oh, he was seven words, Cat. No, he said four. He said four words. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, he, usually I have two words for you, but tonight I have four words. I'm the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion. That's seven words. Triple H doesn't know how to count. No, I figured after doing way too much analysis on this that he probably planned on saying WWF, but he ended up saying. World Wrestling Federation. Yes. Oh, Triple H. <laughs> well, I did write down that. Yeah, that is more than uh, four sentences, four words. So. <laughs> yes, correct. And he says that, uh, he, like it or not, he's the WWF champion. He proved to the world why he is the game, and that is the game plan. <laughs> he did not say that's the game plan. But I Stop. just said that is the game plan. Stop trying to make that as the game plan happen. He yeah. only tried out episode four. He did not say that now. It's not gonna happen. And he said that if if he told he meant Triple H mentioned that if we line them up, he'll mow them down as in challengers for the WWF championship. Correct, correct, correct. The Beverly Hills, I got a question for you. Okay, what's that? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I do. I definitely 1999. Yeah, huge fan of The Rock at this point. Yeah, that question hit the PA system. Yes, it did. And the crowd jumped to their feet because they wanted to smell what The Rock was cooking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, The Rock said that, uh, that, yes, he, The Rock said that if Triple H is the game, he needs to go back to the drawing board because his game sucks. I, the, uh, that was a weak line. If you're the game, the game absolutely sucks. Really? Did yeah. I write this when I was 12 years old? Because I feel like that would have been a line that I would have pulled out. And Triple H told The Rock that he isn't in his league. So he won't defend the title against him. Right. Then The Rock, in more words than what I'm going to be using, threatened to shove his shoe up the, of Triple H's rectum. 
No, that was the second thing he said that he was going to shove up Triple H's ass. The first thing that he wanted to do was put Icy Hot on the title and put it up his ass. <laughs> With the rocks and the kinky kind of stuff like that. The gold yeah, I wrote, after I wrote the second one, I wrote, oh gosh, another thing getting stuck up Triple H's candy ass. Okay, what was the third thing that the rocks was going to threaten to do? Oh no, just two, just two. Oh, just two, okay, I thought there was a third one. No, just the title and then the shoe, I believe. Then we heard, ch 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 oh, oh, Beverly. <laughs> I think then, yeah, since Shawn Michaels, the commissioner, came out, and the crowd went wild. Oh, my gosh, they loved him. As did I. I was happy to see him, too. Oh, I was happy to see him. Yeah. After seeing Triple H, you know, and The Rock, and The Rock threatened to shove stuff up Triple H's rear end. <laughs> for about eight minutes. Yes. Yeah, Michaels came out and said that yeah, see if the people if if the people want it, they will receive it as in The Rock versus Triple H later tonight on SmackDown. Yep, yep, because he's the only one who can make things official. See then uh Sean puts... He also says that he also says that he's gonna be the law and order in the ring. Because yeah, he's, he's the only person that can be trusted. Just because of what happened on Raw Monday night. Right. Let's see. Then Shane McMahon came out of the out of the crowd. Yeah. Which made me scratch my head. Like that's a weird. Excuse me. That's a weird spot for the one of the owners of the WWF to come out of. Yeah. Well, there was nowhere else for him to come out because Shane uh, Sean was on the top of the ramp. He would have had to like break through the ring or something. Yes. Then yeah, Shane said that he's gonna. Point himself to the second referee to watch Sean. Then Michaels mentioned that Shane will be too busy to do that since Shane is a wrestler and Sean can book matches with wrestlers. Therefore, yes. Shane McMahon will be facing Mankind later on tonight on SmackDown. Yes, because, yeah, he said, HBK said that he's going to show Shane all about stroke. And then that leads to Mankind coming out. Talk about stroking things. All this talk about stroking and screwing has mankind a little bit excited. <laughs> that line did make me laugh a little bit. <laughs> it did too, and I'm sure, again, 12-year-old me was just loving it, probably rolling on the floor laughing. Thank you, mankind. <laughs> then, yeah, the rock mankind ran down and attacked the heels, and the Mean Street posse ran in and tried to lay them out, but the faces... Had gained the advantage and all that, and Triple H and Shane ran out. Right. Yep. Yeah, they they dumped them. Dumped, yeah, Mean Street Posse tried to get involved. With they two rock bottoms. Uh, Ronnie got thrown out. Then Shane stumbles up the ramp. Yeah. Then, like <laughs> we mentioned, for the fourth edition of SmackDown and the early rounds and the first episode of Nitro we reviewed, Jim Ross and the King put over what we'll see later on. Tonight. Okay, I, I gotta talk about the first segment first before we okay. move on. Um, y you know, I've talked. Oh, oh yeah, the bubble, the bubble, the bubble, the first. Can you, pause, can you pause quick? Yeah, just give me a, give me a second, please. And uh, sorry, we're back, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. There was a run in. It was an attitude era esque run in. Anyways, what I wanted to do was as I've as I've been doing with these first episodes things is just kind of see like how the company tries to portray themselves in the first episode with that first segment. And I thought, you know, this is very, very different than, you know, what we saw um, 
on all the rest of them where where they did matches or or something else. This one, it what, but it was extremely illustrative of the Attitude Era. Um, I was really into timing in this one, so I took down a lot of times. That promo was 15 minutes long because it did feel feel pretty long to me. Yeah, it was, and it you know it had five different uh, you know characters in it, um, many different like segments to the to the overall promo. Um, but that really kind of shows you what the Attitude Era was all about. It was not about the wrestling; it was about these characters and really getting over those characters. So Cause, yeah, because I did want to mention that you know with Triple H, The Rock, Mankind, you know, those three are uh, uh, three of the. T- main event status stars of 1999 WWF. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, then Shane McMahon, obviously, you know, being tied in with Vinnie Mac. You know, the crowd recognized the last name. Then Shawn Michaels sure. being, you know, a guy that kind of was one of the main adventures of the WWF pre-Attitude Era. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, between the- Hulkamania and the Attitude Era. So I feel like, you know, those five names were kind of good to bring out right away for the first, you know, for the first segment. Sure, but like oh, yeah. you, but like you said, that did get a little a little long for me. Yeah, I did want did want to ask you, Beverly Hills. Okay, what, yeah. is it sad that I popped bigger for Shawn Michaels than the other four guys? Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I think that might just be fatigue of you know you watching the Attitude Era, um, and it also might be. And I think for me, it because I did too. Um, I think it was that we were thinking about Shawn Michaels like 09 through or however, you know, whatever, like 08 through oh, when he came, when we came back, yeah, which was awesome, you know, pretty much the whole time. I guess it would be more like 04 through 09, but whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah. And, um, you know, just maybe think about that stage of his career and really thinking about that because that's, I think, he, you know, his second career was, um, if not as accolade heavy better than the first one so and before we go into this i want to make see if i have it on my on my yes i do have it beverly hills yes sir how we mentioned jim ross before on, on this podcast yeah and he is the play-by-play man okay this isn't saying about 10 punches in the corner is it no but okay. you'll, you'll laugh okay since everybody knows I'm a subscriber to WrestlingObserver.com. No, really? I'm not. So just <laughs> let's go with this. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> oh, people on the board, the infamous board, also hate the Ross Report. Okay. Oh, hey. And, oh. and uh, somebody came up with the 10 things that Jim Ross does on the Ross Report. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, uh, let's see, what is this person's name? Doesn't matter. Anyway, this is what the person said. That in in, the, in his in Jim Ross's opening, what's on my mind segment, he goes over his pet peeves, which are, number one, ten punches in the corner should result in blood and a disqualification. Stupid. Which leads, so which leads to number two. There aren't any rules. It's hard to be a heel. Okay. Number three, time limits. It's exposing the business to not do time limits. 
Okay, I'm not. A, I'm not totally against him on that one. Number four, there shouldn't be or there shouldn't be shades of gray when it comes to heels and baby faces. Bull. Jim Ross thinks that's bull coop. Oh, I agree with that. Number five, because because uh, he beat the Undertaker, Lesnar should go to Mania with the title and drop it to Roman Reigns. Well, I don't know. Well, Jim Ross commenting on all these. <laughs> yeah, Jim Ross does rant about that. Okay. Number six, if he had it his way, the Undertaker streak would never have ended. Okay. He should have beat Cena for the title at WrestleMania 32 in Texas, the biggest show ever, and retired as champion. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yes. Number seven, Jim Ross's Twitter followers are pretty annoying. Are you one of them? I barely talked to him. The <laughs> gist is they complain too much, especially okay. about somebody's push. Let's see. Oh, oh, when so and so gets uh, gets their push, blah 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 blah. Jim Ross hates it when people complain about who doesn't or who does or doesn't get a push. Okay. Number eight. Hang on. He's, he has to take a sip of his diet peach tea, peach iced tea that he's picked up from Sonic on Route 44. Okay. Sonic should sponsor the show. Okay. Which he does talk about a lot. Sonic, okay. if you want to sponsor our show, go right ahead. Certainly. Number nine, he's rooting for Impact Wrestling. He dislikes the TNA name because it's tits and boobies. Okay. It's too... He's see. Yeah, he he he, yeah, he doesn't want it just to be WWE, and he wants the Attitude Era to come back all again. Okay. Let's see, number 10, he's rooting for ROH. Okay. Those kids are pretty hard, pretty hard working, good physicality, but they need to slow it down. All right, some I agree with, some I don't. What are the some things that you agree with, and what are some of the things you don't agree with, Beverly? Um, I agree with the talk about... Heels and faces. I agree with his talk about. Well, uh, there shouldn't be shades between there heels. Should. And f- there should. Didn't he say? Didn't you say that he said that? Jim, uh, there shouldn't be shades of gray. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh yeah, so you agree with Jim Ross that there should be like, heels and faces? Correct. Okay. I would agree with him on that one. Okay. What are other some of the things that you agree or disagree with? Um, I don't know. A lot of them are just kind of like here nor there. I don't really care, but yeah. but does that? I just, the big ones that I don't agree with are his talk about um, ten punches in the corner. Ten punches in the corner. The Undertaker one I thought was really stupid. All about him. Oh, about him staying undefeated and going on to WrestleMania thirty two to defeat, defeat Cena. Them, yeah, that's uh, that's just awful. Yeah, because when I saw, when I saw that on. On uh, the board, board and all that, I had to uh, screenshot it and mention that to you on the podcast, <laughs> Beverly Hills. Yeah. Right on, right on. So we're going from uh, Beverly Hills' favorite podcast host, Jim Ross, to Beverly Hills' favorite wrestler, Jeff Jarrett. You know, and I still love his music, though. So, yeah, we go to uh, see Jeff Jarrett walking down, walking down the hallway backstage, as do we see Mr. Booty, Billy Gunn. Mr. Booty. Jeff Jarrett, the Intercontinental Champion, with Miss Kitty and Deborah versus Billy Gunn. Yes. 
Yep. So, yeah, I, one of the first notes I have is Gunn tries to run in to start the match, but Jarrett catches him when he was sliding in with boots and punches. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't like Jeff Jarrett on the whole, right? You know that. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a well-established uh, thing. But, you know, in both of his matches that we've seen here, they've been good. Yeah. And, I, I, and I've liked his wrestling. Um, especially in this one, I really liked um, his intensity at the, at the jump there when Gunn tried to run in and he jumped on him. Um, and I liked, I really liked that tornado arm breaker that he, uh, put on Billy Gunn. Um, I just really don't like his character. I don't like him outside the ring. Uh, and I think I've also found something about Jeff Jarrett. My hatred for him is directly proportional, inverse proportional to the amount of hair in his head. So the you, more, so the you like, so you hair, like, I like him. So yeah, you like him more when he has hair. Correct. Fair enough. Cause it's just, this is what it is. And what in WCW hate him here. Hate him. Even TNA when he's got short hair, hate him. Longer hair. Love him. As proponed to my gimmick. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this week at work. Oh, Beverly Hills. Really? God, I barely would ever think that. And it seems like there's uh, a lot of niche podcast coming up. I know there's one that's covering like the whole comedia WWF era, w, you know, and all that, like the 80s, early 90s. There's one that we listen to. At least you listen to I Quit, because I got too many podcasts to listen to. One about covering WCW pay-per-views and super super shows. Yep. There's one about the Attitude Era. Okay. And I found one on vacation a couple weeks ago. You know, I think up to like a couple days before your wedding. But called the New Generation Podcast, covering the New Generation era. That's like ninety three to like ninety seven. WWF. I wish we would have had these ideas. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? But whatever. That's besides the point. So I've been listening to the New Generation Podcast, and they've been talking about Jeff Jarrett and all from the mid nineties. Okay, and they've been saying the same thing. Like they're used to like the end of WCW TNA. Jeff Jarrett and how much people hate on him. But, you know, they're going back and watching his matches. They were surprised at how good of a wrestler he was. Yeah. Yes. I I agree. And, yeah, and just how good uh, of a technical wrestler he was and all that. And I just wanted to mention that, you know, that you, you said that you hate his character, but he's a pretty good wrestler. I just yep. wanted – that just made me think about, you know, those – English dudes or those European dudes talking about that. Oh, okay. So, then uh, we... Oh, yeah, another... I did have a question for you, Beverly Hills. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, Gunn was sent to the arena post outside and his face got smashed into it and all that. Then Jim okay. Ross tells us that Billy Gunn fought The Rock that past Sunday at SummerSlam. Okay. How much did Billy Gunn fall since he won the King of the Ring earlier in 1999? Oh and I had I actually wrote that down too. Is yeah, I, I yeah I wrote oh I had forgotten this is the culmination of Billy Gunn going from King of the Ring to dominated by the Rock at SummerSlam to facing Double J on SmackDown. Man, he was you know just so riding high on the King of the Ring, and man, just poof, over the cliff. Now I don't know if we've ever seen. Well, I mean we sh- I'm sure we have, but. 
it's one of the biggest examples of someone going from pushed very highly to just on the bottom. And I mean, this isn't the bottom, but you know, just to go from someone who looked like they had the, the rocket strapped to them for a title shot or something to the point of just here they are. Yeah. Yes, I did want to mention that then. Uh, well, I, I got, I got the finish. If you're ready for the finish, go for it. Okay. Chenna walks down the aisle to watch the match and the fans seemed to pop a little bit when she, when she came down uh-huh. and China grabbed the, grabbed the guitar from Miss Kitty and, in Swan, but Kitty docked and Deborah got nailed with it. Right. That distracted Double J Jeff Jarrett, letting Gunn and Schoolboy him, Schoolboy him for the victory. Yep. Three minute match. Yes. <laughs> Billy Gunn was the winner. I rated this match five eighths of a star. Um, hmm, I haven't written down any yet. I'll go half a star. Yeah. So, I, I know you were talking about the first matches. I know you mentioned it with yes. the, the opening promo segment, but technically this was the f- quote-unquote first match Correct. on SmackDown. I want to get what are your thoughts on this match. Should be in technically the first ever match on SmackDown. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, again, it's not really fast-paced. It's just, it, but <laughs> it, it leads to... Whatever, you know, on episode four, I said the star of the show, Jeff Jarrett. Well, it's a good idea that he was uh, the first person featured here <laughs> in True. a match. I do think, I do think though, at this time, he's definitely like the top of the mid card. Like yeah. he's, uh, he is kind of the leader of that level. Um, so it's a good thing to get him on early, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, think this is kind of illustratory of the, of the time. You got a lot of, you know, boobies walking around there. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's kind of what you have. Um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it, it, it is what it is a little bit. Yeah. Then China and Gunn had some words with each other. Then Gunn was turning around to moon her, which I find to be silly since China low blowed him. <laughs> I wrote down, that's what he gets for being stupid and turning around and it was going to flash somebody a few inches from their face. Yeah, I think it's a foolish move. Uh, he gets what he deserves. Then we go backstage to the back with Lillian Garcia and Al Snow. Yep. And, Snow, and Al so, so sad. Tell us why Al Snow is so sad. Oh, he's so sad because uh, boss man, big boss man took Pepper, his little doggy. Then we go to another backstage segment with Howard Finkel polishing Chris Jericho's boots, <laughs> which they, which they, I feel like they interrupted Al Snow's promo just to see that for us to see this. They did. They were really um, one of the things that happened a lot on this episode is it would go like boom, boom, boom. It would, it was. Al Snow promo, right to Chris Jericho getting his boots shined, right to Test walking around in the back without just, like, any time to breathe. You're just, whoa, you know, your head's spinning. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, we see Test walking around back because waiting for Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon since he proposed to her on Monday night on Raw. Okay. Then we yes. go to the next match for the WWF Tag Team Championship. Mm-hmm. Kaden X-Pac versus the Acolytes. Versus the tag team champions, The Big Show and Kane. Right. Got a couple of questions for you, Beverly Hills. Okay. Tell me about it. One, what's your thoughts on the DX and Kane combo theme song? Love it. Love it. Love the um, how it does the X 
thing and then the fire comes up. Yes. What's your thoughts on X-Pac drinking Surge Stone of the Rim? He was actually drinking Hanson's energy drink. Well, I was what, wondering what that. I was wondering what that was, and then there was a commercial for it later. Okay, so I know. I thought for a while he's X Pac was known for carrying around a can of Surge down to the right. He might have been, but that was definitely a Hanson's. Yeah, I know Surge is making a comeback nowadays, so that's why I brought up Surge. You got it. Then uh, my other question: Oh, what's your thoughts on the weird theme song that the Big Show and the Undertaker had? Um, I loved it. It was like one of my highlights of the whole thing. Because I really do not remember hearing that theme song before. No, me neither. <clears throat> but I liked it a lot. Yeah. Then, uh, oh yeah, I also want to get your thoughts on Paul Bear carrying The Undertaker's tag title. Because <laughs> that made me laugh. I'm fine with it, I guess. It made me it made me laugh when I saw him carrying around the tag title. Like, I didn't know Paul Bearer and the Big Show were tag team champions. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Let's see. Do do do. Yeah, just like the episode four of SmackDown that we covered, Undertaker joined the announcers table. Yes. And I thought thought this was an interesting match because well, I know of, know of before of triple triple tag team matches is usually two guys starting the ring, but for this match is the three guys. Yeah. So it was, right. yeah, Farouk, Big Show, and King start start out the match. Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on on that. On those three starting? Yes. I don't know. It was fine. I I thought Big Show looked great in this match. Just everything he did, I think, it came across really well. Um, I I just I don't know. I I liked it. I liked the dynamic of uh, Big Show being put in there by himself um, and having to you know fend fend on his own there. Okay, because I know I, well, I did catch on a line that Undertaker did mention. Okay. That this was right around the time when Big Show was sorry to get dominated. And I can't remember which announcer asked Undertaker about if he was concerned. And Undertaker said, if I lose, everybody loses. Okay. Just made right. me laugh. That, oh, pissed, okay. that pissed off the Undertaker. Big Show came out. Undertaker slapped him. Yes. That motivated the Big Show. Big Show went in. One one arm choke slam X Pac and got the victory. Yeah. Oh man. When he was um well yeah, man, he slammed X Pac so hard. X Pac just bounced off the canvas. He looked it like he I don't know. When when Big Show does those power moves and X Pac knows how to take power moves, it looked really well. Yeah, I was gonna say X Pac is one great performer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially when Big Show uh, this I'm being thinner and so able to do awesome stuff. Yeah, big, I, th- I feel like X Pac was a perfect guy to show off Big Show's moves. Yeah, and just I I wrote down that this is a really interesting storyline, and I liked even in episode four where it was. But it's just kind of sad knowing that it doesn't really go anywhere because you know you know we know at Survivor Series what happens. You know that oh. Big Show turns face wins the title and it's just like oh all this you know i think i think inter- really interesting groundwork of undertaker and his like um kind of weird like manipulation of yeah cuz i know big, big show, show and i liked that yeah cuz i know big show was face i think a little bit before survivor series cuz he fought 
a big show, uh, boss man steam all by himself, and he was a face in that match. But I think right. it would, I think it would have been interesting to see the Undertaker still around during Big Show's title title run, kind of being Big Show's manager and being manipulative and all that. Sure, so I thought that would have been a unique wrinkle. But we may as well go talk about the rating for this match. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I rated this match higher than you, Beverly Hills. I rated this match two stars. Um, I would go star and three quarters. Yeah, because I felt like kind of like what you're saying that this match had a it was very unique, and it put over the Big Show. Yeah. Kind of, kind of like what you are mentioning. Yeah, that, yeah you Big know. Show looked do- dominant. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I had to give it two stars, especially the awesome choke thing that X-Pac took. I had to give it two stars. You look good. Then, yeah, we see Paul Bear carry around both tag titles when we see the uh, replay of the choke slam. Okay. Then we see Tess walking around the parking lot waiting for Stephanie. She showed up smiling and all that. <laughs> she does have an answer for him. Then we go to a hardcore title match with the well, boss. Yeah. with the boss man and Al Snow. How yep. last man first came out and said that uh, that mentioned that Snow's been looking for him and he isn't hard to find since he's a bigger guy. Yep, six, and, seven, three hundred ten pounds. Then Al Snow came out and Snow asked where Pepper is, and Bossman said he's safe for now. That you yep. know, and he wanted to punt Pepper because Pepper bit his bit his finger or whatever. Yes, but he said that if he gives him a hardcore championship, that he will uh, give him the dog back. Yeah, then we go, then yeah, then we go to a commercial break, and both men come back down again, which I find to be silly. Okay. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then Bossman, Bossman, when he came back out, he was carrying Pepper, and Pepper looked super scared, and which I felt bad for the dog. And he brought him over to the box. He looked really scared. Yeah, then... Friend, give me back my friend. Then, Pe- then Boss Man brought Pepper over to the kid and sounded like the, the dog pissed on Lawler. Okay, yeah, that was weird. Then, uh... Do you want to talk about this match? Because I really don't have that many notes. Well, there really wasn't a lot going on, but, um... I, I thought this, for being a two-minute match, which it was, was very slow, very plodding. I didn't really like this match at all. Um, Snow got knocked to the outside, just kind of walk, walking and punching. Um, Snow got in, hit Bossman with a cookie sheet, uh, grabbed a ladder that he didn't use, and then he got knocked off the ropes. Um, wrote, this match sucks. Uh, they got all the way around to the announcer table. Um, Bossman grabbed the nightstick. Uh Knocked Snow out, won the title, still the dog. I rated this match one and one half star, Beverly. One and one half star. Un- unlike you, I was entertaining this match. It was two minutes long. Quarter star. Whatever. <laughs> after the after you won the title, Bossman grabbed Pepper and walked off. Yes, he did. Then we go backstage and we see X Pac and Kane arguing. X Pac being frustrated and blowing Kane off. Yep, well, Xbox leaving because he says that he's always the weak link. Sean! Xbox. Oh, he didn't say Xbox. He went, Sean! Sean, don't leave me. Just Sean. Then we go to uh, Chris Jericho walking down the hallway, flexing that he, that, uh, saying that his people are waiting to see him, and I can say, yes, I was waiting to see his debut match. 
in Beverly Hills, you know how excited I am to finally after why, 30- do, you, why do you have such a boner for Chris Jericho dirty get over there. yourself Jack after 13 episodes why after 13 episodes Beverly Hills I'm so excited to finally cover a Chris Jericho match and after all those special casts that we've done it's about damn time Jack but I have a question but that's the question's still on the table one it's not hard why do you love Chris Jericho so one, much one I don't have a boner for Chris Jericho I don't swing that way <laughs> Okay. I might be Look, the dirty I, dog, but the dirty dog doesn't do those dirty okay, kind of okay, things. Okay, okay, regardless. I'm just wondering. Jericho is my favorite wrestler, Beverly Hills, you know that. Yeah, but tell me why. <laughs> because he's a podcast host, just okay. like us. Okay. He's a rock and roll star, my favorite band. Okay. And, and I just like his wrestling ability. Okay, fair just, enough. It's just that, you know, he's about our height and all that, and, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's, well, he's, you know, pretty quick. He, you know, with the smaller guys, he does the power moves. For the bigger guys, he does the more arsenal, speed speed yeah. maneuvers and all that. It's just, I, I feel like out of all the characters that I've seen over my 26 years of watching professional wrestling, mm. I just feel like I connect best with Chris Jericho. All right, fair enough. I've just never been able to get into his character. Like, I just, I just really haven't. I love him in the ring, but I've never been able to get into his character. Because well, I know we talked about this when we lived together years ago, but I can understand where you do not like Fozzie, and you can know <laughs> that because I can, at times, depending on certain notes he hits, and especially on his podcast, I can understand where you're coming from on not liking Jericho as a musician. Okay. <laughs> but that's precisely the point. Okay, okay. Then, then we, we gotta get moving here, dirty dog. Then we go to the Rock and Triple H in the split screen, and Triple H put the match over. Then we go to Al Snow being pissed off backstage, trying to find Pepper. Then we go to the Road Dog versus Chris Jericho. Yeah, Road Dog comes out. He says that he couldn't trade Jericho in Cell Block D for a pack of smokes, and I simply wrote yuck. Yes. And then uh, Lawler calls Jericho a young man. <laughs> okay. Made me laugh. Okay, well, he was. Then, uh, let's see. Uh, this match I thought was okay. Uh, Jericho. Let's see. I felt like, well, instead of just reading my notes, I felt like this match was pretty good and it kind of put both guys over as strong competitors. Yep. Uh, Jericho, you know, showed Jericho's, you know, DDTs and suplexes and yep. yada, yada, yada. Then Jericho brought in the table at the end of the, towards the end of the match. Then he got himself disqualified by powerbombing uh, Road Dog through it. Okay. Yep. My th- hi- the highlight for me was Jericho doing a powerbomb into a backbreaker. I thought that looked really good. Oh, like the double underhook suplex thing with Bob into the, yeah. Yep. That, that was, yeah, because like I said, it said that, you know, granted Jericho got himself DQ'd in this match. I felt like this helped put Jericho over for his first WWE televised match since he debuted, what, a couple months before this? For, oh, for sure. I would completely agree with you that he came out looking better on this one. Um, definitely. Thought, it, thought that he looked, he looked great in the match. Uh, like I said, that double arm uh, backbreaker looked good. Yeah, set up the table. Did the double power bomb put him through on that one, and then proceeded to put him in the walls of Jericho for 
uh, several, you know, several seconds. I ready this match one and one half star. Okay, I'm gonna actually go higher than you. I'm gonna go two and a quarter on this one. Yeah, because like we said, you know, we got we really didn't talk much about the match, but yeah, how it felt like we put Jericho over as a as a mid card you know, star and all that, and mm-hmm. Road Dog I felt like was the best opponent for him to you know, kind of mesh mesh well and show off Jericho's maneuvers. Yep. Well, Road Dog was always a sympathetic character when he was uh, getting uh, beaten on. He always kind of inspired sympathy with the crowd. He looked good there. Um, and, uh, yeah, he got to do his moves, you know, his kind of dancing, punching stuff. And, yeah, overall, I, I liked it. So. Then do you want to tell us what happened afterwards with Jericho and Finkel? Okay, uh, let me pull it up quick. I can't exactly remember. Oh, yeah, okay. So in the back, yeah. Um, He wants Howard to be a Y2J warrior. Are you a Y2J warrior? And then they're watching the the TV and Tony Chimmel's on it. And he's like, go and do something about it. And Howard Finkel runs out to Ultimate Warrior's music, shakes the ropes hilariously. And then he picks a fight with Tony Chimmel. Yeah, so <laughs> and he goes, hit the bricks, man. Which makes me laugh. Then, yeah, Chimmel lays this mat down on Finkel. And Y2J yes. came down to kind of, be, you know, back up Finkel and chew him out. Then Shamrock theme song hits, and Shamrock came down in his green uh, green trunks. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Shamrock, you know, and Jericho met, met you know, on the ramp, and uh, Shamrock shoulder bumped him and kind of pissed Jericho off. Then, uh... Then Jericho told Finkel to go, go after Shamrock, and then then uh, Finkel did then, which gave Jericho a chance to run behind the cameras and run around the ring and lay out uh, Shamrock with a steel chair. Yeah, we hit him with a chair. Looked, uh, yeah, I liked when Jericho bumps uh, Sham or Shamrock bumps Jericho on the way down. Yes, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, then uh, then we uh, then Stephanie came down to the ring with no theme song and no ring intro. And some cat calls from the crowd. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, she asked Tess to come down and all that. Uh, Calling him by his r- real first name. Yeah. I wanted to ask Troy, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> he just threw a cat toy at you. Get out of here. I, I had to. Then yeah, then all that, then Tess proposed, and she said yes, and the Mean Street Posse came down, and, and all that, and then Shane grabbed Steph while the Posse was laying out Tess, and Mancan came down and uh, with a steel chair, and Jericho the posse. <laughs> yeah, very similar. Lots of chair shots in this episode. A hallmark of the Attitude Era. I'm happy you laughed when I said Mankind Jericho the posse. Yes, yes, he did. Then, uh, then, did. Yeah, then uh, Mankind laid out the posse and all that. Then uh, Mankind grabbed the mic saying that yeah, he walked down the aisle for the second time. He ain't walking it down again. He wanted to do his match right then and there. Then, yep. then, uh, then, uh, Shane grabbed a chair and, or, oh, yeah, then, oh, man, can I put the chair down on the mat, walked over and said, I'm gonna be hanging out with the posse, and letting Shane <laughs> get, the, the, get the first shot with the chair. Yeah. And, uh, the match started. Right. So, do you want to talk about this match? Because I really don't have that many notes. I sure can. Um, yep, so. He, yep, he, so he said that Shane could have one chair shot. Um, 
Shane hit him with it, and he went down like a ton of bricks. Like, it really took him out. Um, but then he, he got up. Uh, he attacked Shane with the mic, which is really a Mick Foley trademark. He loves doing that, hitting people with the mic. Yep, just like that. Uh, he headbutted him a couple times, threw him out, uh, threw him into the crowd, and I thought they were going to walk up the crowd, but he actually just kind of, like, led him along the barricade with Mankind on one side, Shane on the other side, which I thought was a little strange. Um, at this time, JR's uh, headset is broken, and we have a, a prolonged... Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Beverly Hills, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Um, yep. And then uh, Mankind flipped Shane over the barricade back into the ring. Um, hit him with a Russian leg sweep. Uh, the, the posse start to attack Mankind, but Test uh, keeps him back. The Stooges come out and uh, are, are helping out. Um, Pete Gas, another great bumper here that I discovered. Test hit him with a big boot, and he, wow. It was like he literally had shot with a gun. He was like, poosh down, and then he got back up, and Test hit him with a clothesline, and he took it like a champ. He, he looked good. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you could have a few, could have had a future or something. But so they the, the posse are taken to the back. Um, Mankind hits a double arm DDT, retrieves the old Mr. Sacco, Puts it in Shane's mouth, but alas, what happens? China ran down and distracted the referee, letting Triple H lay out Mankind with his steel chair. Yes. Then Shane McMahon won with me rating this match one-fourth of a star. <laughs> oh, wow, one-fourth, huh? Hey, I didn't think it was you, too bad. You crapped on the earlier matches. as my turn to crap on these matches, Jack. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'm going to go uh, a star and one-quarter on this one. Yeah. It was it was basically just a showcase for, you know, mankind against some character stuff, some work with the posse, and you know, keeping to push on the the test stuff. Uh, yeah, because I I do have to admit, so far mankind is probably my leading candidate for my main event instead of star with his lines earlier in the first opening prom about strokes and stuff and uh and all that and screwing people he's <laughs> getting him a little excited which made me laugh and his comment before the match that he's gonna be going over and handing out with a posse okay yeah that, that just made me laugh so <laughs> sure. and then, then jericho and finkel ran out to the rental car and jericho locked finkel out and shamar caught up to him screamed at finkel and finkel pissed himself he <laughs> did more than that yeah he probably pooped himself. It's the number two. I, I would have done the goes, same thing. Because he goes, what's that smell? <laughs> he goes, did you crap your pants? <laughs> I, I would have done that too if Shamrock was coming after me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might, might have. Then, uh, see, then we see a video package with Triple H laying out Steve Austin at SummerSlam. Michael Cole was a, had a pre-taped interview with Stone Cold, and Stone Cold said that he'll need some rehab, but he, he'll be back. He'll be at 100%. And he'll be he back says, after. He'll come after Triple H. Yes, he says he will definitely be 100%. Um, and his shorts are so short and so tight. Yes. Then we go to the evening gal match with WWF Women's Champion Ivory versus Tori. Right. Let's see. What's your thoughts on Tori not walking out with the title? 
<laughs> I don't care. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this wasn't a title match, but that stuff kind of bothers me. But okay, I'm fair not, enough. I'm not gonna I, pull. I'm not gonna pull a Jim Ross. Yeah, so. I don't. That's that's one of those things that's so inconsequential. I really couldn't care less. Okay, my only other note for this match is the only thing that Tori was wearing was a guy's T-shirt, and the king okay. was going nuts. That's the right. only other note I have for this match, Beverly Hill. Okay. Well, um, first off, Tori has uh, got to be the ugliest diva of all. Um, I think she, <laughs> I just think she's not attractive. Um, Hold on a second. Wait a second. You're saying that Tori is the ugliest diva ever. Uh, yeah. Worse than May Young and the Fabulous Moolah. Yeah. Yes, I would. Hmm. I would. I don't even think that's a that's a close. I don't even think that was close. But yeah. anyways, this went like a minute. It was like a minute and thirty long. Um and <laughs> Okay, never mind. I was gonna be dirty, but I refuse to be that dirty. Okay. That ends with I don't know. Tori wins. I don't really have any other notes. Yeah. Minute, minute 13. All right. Uh, I rated this match one to one tenth of a star. Oh, come on. One in one tenth of a star. Fine, fine. Here, here, here. Let me edit this up. Click, click, click. Edit, edit, edit. Hit the delete button. I don't know if you can hear me. Hear me. Okay. D U D. Dave Miltz, your famous dud. <laughs> Thank you. Because, yeah, I didn't take that many notes. I thought, felt like this match was only... All, only good thing about this match was horny t- teenagers were able to see a couple <laughs> of gals being stripped. What's the ready for this match, Beverly? Uh, Dud. Okay. Then, yeah, Luna ran down to try to control Tori. Okay. Then you go to the back with Lillian Garcia once again with yep. the WWF champion Triple H in China. Then China told... Lillian, that she might be new, but she should show the champ some respect. Right. Then mm-hmm. Triple H said that the belt will leave with him tonight, and, Tri- and Trips mentioned that if Michaels gets in his way, Michaels won't ever walk again. Yes. Rock wants to play this game. This is leaving with me. Then uh, we see The Rock walking down the hallway. Then we mm-hmm. see Al Snow is still searching for Pepper. <laughs> Yes, the series in the production trailer. Then we see Michael Cole and some officials congratulating Stefan Test in the parking lot. That was so awkward. Like, the only people that cared enough to congratulate them are three refs and Michael Cole. So strange. (laughs) It's just strange. Then we go to the main event of the night, and because this is my gimmick, and this is, in my eyes, the best match of the night, I'll spoil that. I had to drink my WWF championship drink, my <laughs> Mel Yellow. <laughs> nice. Beverly Hills. What's up? One, two. Is this on? <laughs> yes. Yeah, then the Heartbreak Commissioner comes down first, and uh, the, the, the I'll just say the Queen, but the King questions Michaels' is referee attire. <laughs> you know who loved Shawn Michaels' attire? Beverly Hills? No. Mrs. Hills. Mama of Beverly Hills. My <laughs> mom always was like, oh, Shawn, his uh, little shorty shorts that he's wearing when he raps. She loved it. 
So you already said that Mama Hills uh, finds Shawn Michaels to be a sexy boy. Yep, you got it. She's she's one of her favorites. Good, good. That's that's why Mrs. Hills and I got along very, very well. <laughs> then, yeah, the fans pop when the Rock's theme hits. Let's see. Then let's see. Oh, I didn't write down which. To me, it just really doesn't matter. But what's your thoughts on the champion coming out first? And what's your thoughts on the internet wrestling community, the IWC, preferring the champion to come out second? Uh, it's one of those things that's tradition, I think, should generally happen. But you know, there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, you know, The Rock was going to get a gigantic reaction, so he should probably come out last. Plus, I understand, you know, with Michaels being the referee, special guest referee being a face and bring the heel out second and bring the other face out third, I, underst- sure. I understand. Sure. I can, yep, I can roll with that. Then, yeah, the match starts out with some fists flying. Then both men try to hit their finisher right away, but both dudes counter it. Okay. The match goes to the stage, and Shawn Michaels follows them to make sh- sure that they try to move it back to the ring. Oh, yeah? The Rockets suplex on the stage. That that oh. must hurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised Jim Ross didn't say that uh, those guys aren't trained to take suplexes on the middle stage. Okay. Then Shawn Michaels tells them to get back to the ring. Rock moves over to the moves to the Ovaltron, and the crowd loves it. The Ovaltron. Then the Rock hits a side Russian leg sweep again. That must hurt. I'm sure. Then uh seems like most of the match is happening outside the ring, which is a typical Attitude Era main event. Yes. Then uh, China hits a low blow on the rock, and Shawn Michaels ejects Ch- uh, China from the ringside. Okay. The yep. Triple H ran over, because when... Yeah. So yeah, Michaels uh, walked with her up, up the ramp and all that. Triple H ran over and questioned Michaels when they were up the ramp. Let's see, then uh, Nash goes back to the ring, and the Rock hits a DDT, and Michael sprint back down the ring to try to count, only getting a one count, which I felt like was unique. Right. Then Shane O'Mac Jack came back to the ring <laughs> and all that and to, uh, to watch ringside. Yep. Then the Rock had the cover after the beautiful stun gun to the top rope, and Shane distracted Shawn Michaels. Yes. Then... Well, before I go to the finish, Beverly Hills, do you have any other notes of this match? No. Okay. Didn't think a ton on this one. Okay, then The Rock hit The Rock bottom on a Triple H. Then The Rock set up the people's elbow. Okay. And, which I thought was beautiful because The Rock's back was to the hard camera and Shawn Michaels moved, moved to the corner of the ring you know, to give those two guys the room and the space to, fin- to finish the match. And, yeah, when, you know, The Rock took off his his people's elbow, talked <laughs> to the crowd, went to the left, jumped over the Triple H, went to the right. When he was turning back to uh, land the people's elbow, what happens? Boom! Sweet chin music. And I put down, put The Rock set up the people's elbow and swerve. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah it was. Triple H, Shawn Michaels hit, nailed the sweet chin music on The Rock. And Triple H got up, nailed the pedigree, and scored the victory. Before we talk about the winner, before we talk about the ratings, Beverly Hills. Yes. I had to do some research on this. I emailed 
a question into Brian and Dave at you know the Wrestling Observer. They didn't answer the question on the podcast, but I did. Oh, yeah, but I did email a former guest Eric Ogrillo of ChemicalClitchBlog.com. Okay. Can I ask him about this? You know, him and I were kind of exchanged a few emails, and and Eric mentioned that originally the plan was for Shawn Michaels to come back to the ring at this time. Okay. And, you know, Michaels even mentioned that in his book that he wrote many years ago, like within okay. you know, about five to ten years ago, and how I guess they, and how Michaels did mention that, yeah, he was planning on coming back, but... Podcast, we wrote books back then. Yes. And how Michaels did mention that he, that they, WWF sent him home because he was still addicted to drugs. Mm, okay, sure. And I also do remember The Rock saying in interviews that at that time in 99, he refused to do, to have a match with, with Shawn Michaels. Okay. So I was thinking, what was the point of Shawn Michaels swerving us, nailing The Rock with the sweet chin music? Um, I don't know. I think just to to set up to set him up again, just to to put him as a you know heel. I need to walk around. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. Just to kind just to kind of put him in that position to again kind of stack the odds against the faces. Okay. Yeah. Because I know I I was thinking about it that you know just be you know if Michaels would have came back and he didn't have his drug problem. Let's say even if you would have came back from, I, th- I think Unforgiven would, would have been a few weeks after this. If you would right. have, his first match would have been at Unforgiven '99, and he would have, let's say, wrestled through WrestleMania 2000, WrestleMania 16. Yeah. Who would he fought? I was thinking if Michaels came in, there would have been no use of Mick Foley, because obviously Stone Cold was written out at Survivor Series, you know, for a year long injury quote unquote for back you know his neck surgery and all that right and Mick Foley stayed through Wrestlemania because they needed a main event star mm-hmm. so I felt like if Shawn Michaels was clean and would have came back Mick Foley wouldn't have, wouldn't have been around and Triple H wouldn't have got the rub that he got from Mick Foley yes so I was thinking like who would be a great opponent for The Rock to possibly face, or no, Shawn Michaels to possibly face. I was thinking, because of what happened at Survivor Series with Big Show being put in Stone Cold's place for the triple threat match for the WWE title, okay. I was thinking it'd be kind of cool to have, if Michaels was clean, to put Michaels in there, have him win the title at Survivor Series, oh, okay. hold it to WrestleMania, okay. possibly turning face somewhere in there, okay. or have Triple H turn face, and have Triple H go over Shawn at WrestleMania 16 for the title. Could have worked. That could have worked. Instead of having Foley, you know, that way if Foley, you know, like I said, if Michaels was there, there would be no need for Foley. I was trying to think of ways to still get Triple H off as a future main event star in the year 2000 without Foley, but with Michaels in, in that situation. I could, I could play that. Yeah. I think maybe Michaels versus Foley could have been something too. That would that would have been cool. I thought you know it'd be cool to see Foley or Rock, the Rock versus um, Shawn Michaels. But if Rock was unwilling to, then it would probably that probably wouldn't have happened. But sure, yeah, because I would have loved to see you know yeah Rock, you know Rock versus Michaels back then. 
Michaels versus Triple H, Michaels versus Foley, and, and all that. So, uh-huh. so yeah, Triple H won. Still the WWF champion. I rated this match two and nine tenths of a star. Two and nine tenths. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna rank this. Just that I really didn't like. You know what? I don't know. The finish wasn't even that bad. Um, I'll go two and a half. Yeah, because I know I only rated. I didn't want to rate it much more because. It's a short match. Well, to me, it was a typical Attitude Era main event match. All reason why I rated it almost three stars was because of what happened at the ending. Sure. With Shawn Michaels out of nowhere, sweet chin music in the Rock or the People's Elbow, and in the pop too with when that happened. So yeah, that's an all lap. So mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. What do you? Yeah. Oh yeah, you, oh yeah, you rated this match, Beverly. Right. Yes, sir. For this show, let's go to a commercial break. Okay, sounds good. You WWF talking Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior! They're big enough to be talking tough! Ulster rules, brother! Not in my kingdom, Hogan! Feel the power of Hulkamania! You WWF talking wrestlers are big, each says six fighting phrases! Using the real voices of Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior! Listen! I am the Ultimate Warrior! I killed you, Warrior! I accept the Ultimate Challenge! There'll be a great battle like these guys are talking! You WWF talking wrestlers aren't big enough to be talking tough! Yeah! You gotta love new WWF figures with real wrestling action. Jake the Snake Roberts versus the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. DiBiase lands a million dollar punch. Match Hulk Hogan against the Macho King Randy Savage. Oh yeah, my almost master finish Hogan guaranteed. Hogan slams him again. Match Andre the Giant against the Ultimate Warrior. Andre will squash the Ultimate Maniac. WWF figures so close to the real thing, it's like being in the ring. And welcome back. You still listen to us, hopefully. Hope you didn't turn during the commercials like I usually do. Um, I like that commercial, Jack. (laughs) It was a good one. Here we are. Um, and we're going to do our main event player, our least valuable player, and uh, our top five. My jobber. My main eventer? Okay, my yeah, main, main eventer. My main eventer has to be Tony Trimble. Oh, alrighty. Because, you know, normally, Beverly, you like to do somebody different, somebody unique. <laughs> and, like, I'm also do, do the, that for this episode, and I had to do Tony Trimble because he kicked Howard Finkel's butt. You got it. But my second main event star, set of star, you know, who came very, very close was Shawn Michaels. Okay. Just because of the awesome switch in music that nobody swerved coming. Yep. Uh, my, my pretend one would be the steel chair because everyone used it. Yes. It, was, it literally was the most valuable thing on this show. Um, my most valuable real thing, the person, uh, would be Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So yep. you, he was, he was, he was a star. Yes. I, I do indeed think that. My jobber of the night has to be Ken Shamrock. Oh, really? Because he was jobbed out to Howard Finkel and not having his match. Okay. Because Finkel had to run down and fight with Tony Chimmel and pick a fight. With with Ken Shamrock, okay. So Ken Shamrock is my jobber. Well, if you know, going off that, related to that, you know who mine is Val Venus. Well, yeah, because yeah, 
Cause, yeah, didn't get a chance to come out. Yeah, because I can't remember if it was supposed to be Godfather or Val Venus to face Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Val Venus. So he didn't even get to come out. Because, yeah, at least Ken Shamrock had some TV time. Yeah. Good. So, uh, before we do the top five, I know we kind of mentioned this a little bit, but what's your thoughts overall on Jim Ross doing play-by-play for the first SmackDown? It was fine. I think he did a good job. Okay, then what's your thoughts on Jim Ross? He always gives a, sorry, he always gives a rub to um, the the whole thing. He adds some kind of gravitas, if you will. Yeah, then what's your thoughts on Jim Ross doing play-by-play, play-by-play for the A show and somebody else doing play-by-play for the B show? I'm fine. If if they need to give him a break, that's completely fine. Then do you think it would have hurt if they would have kept JR doing both shows? Uh, might have hurt the quality in the long run just because, um, you know, just burn yourself out. You know, that that definitely could have happened. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, because I did enjoy the video packages for pay-per-views during this time when Michael Cole was on SmackDown, Jero was on Raw, and hearing both of them use their play-by-play to build up a main event. Sure. So I, I like that. So, and I'd also want to get your thoughts on uh, what if they would have put Sh- Michael Cole on Raw, kept Jim Ross on SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I. If they would have, if they would have done what? Sorry, in, in, in 1999 when SmackDown debuted, what right. if they what if they would have moved Jim Ross from Raw to do play by play for SmackDown and would put Michael Cole on Raw do play by play? Do you think that would keeping and are they keeping Raw as the flagship here? Are they. Changing SmackDown to it because okay. I think Jim I think Jim Ross is your number one in in uh, 1999. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I guess I didn't really think of it that way. Sure. Yeah. Then uh, before yeah before we do our top five, I do do want to plug that my appearance on What a Maneuver did get dropped this past week. Cool. So and it was a good one. Yeah. I, like- I, as I say, I did I did listen to it. I was going to listen to it later, but when you and I were exchanging emails and you, how you mentioned that you listened the first couple minutes and you liked it, I had to listen to it at work that night. Yes. And I, I liked it. Yeah. Well, of course. <laughs> so, we, for our top five Beverly Hills, do you want to tell us what we're doing for the top five this week? Right. Well, the one thing that, man, we got more than anything on this episode, even more than chairs, were catchphrases. Yes. The... Attitude Era was an era of catchphrases. People were throwing them out left and right because it was also the era of t-shirts. And, man, people were buying them left and right. So I wanted to do the top five Attitude Era catchphrases. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? You can start her off. Okay. Just because this is a catchphrase for me on the podcast, my number five is, (laughs) that is the game plan by Triple H. Okay. Because it was unsuccessful. I'm trying to make it successful on this podcast. That has to be my number five, Beverly. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Okay. My number five is one one of like the thousand that Rock was trying to spit out on this episode. And that is, know your role and shut your mouth. Beverly, I got a question for you. Okay. It doesn't matter what the question is. <laughs> okay. So you go with another one. But that made me laugh. But my number four has oh, to be. Oh, that isn't yours. Okay. No, my number four has to be. Have a nice day. Okay. By Mick Foley. All right. Just because how that was the Walmart, you know, 
I guess, catchphrase back in the day. I felt like Mick Foley brought that to WWF and WCW fans during this time frame. Okay. And I remember during my middle school years, I would have been in Malacca, Minnesota, you know, so yeah, when SmackDown first started out, and I remember, I think one of the last days of re- recess, I think one of the last days before I moved out of Malacca, that one of, my, one of my buddies and I were walking together from recess back inside for, I think, our last couple of classes of the, of the day. And one of our other friends, I think older siblings, drove his vehicle to come visit people on recess. And I yelled out, have a nice day to him. And my friend said, said use the swear word for donkey. <laughs> so have a nice day, jerk off. And I still remember that, and that still makes me laugh. It was probably one of my better memories from my middle school years. Okay. So mankind had, uh, mankind's catchphrase, have a nice day, has a soft spot in my heart because okay. of that. All right. I'm with it. All right. My number four kind of stretches beyond the Antwitter, I guess, but it is rest in peace. I was going to use that too. Very good. Okay, my number three is. Do you smell the rock is cooking? <laughs> good. Because you know that was you know also the rock's catchphrase and that's the opening line of his theme song and all that and I had to use that line on what a maneuver when I was with Eric and Joe on their podcast covering in your house degeneration acts that you when. Know, the intercontinental title match between The Rock and Steve Austin. The Rock pulled out a sweaty pair of brass knuckles out of his trunks, and I did mention <laughs> that that Stone Cold smelt what The Rock was cooking. That was one of my highlights, by the way. So, um, you know, to pl- also yes. to plug me being on that show and all, and all that, thank you guys again. And I that was one of my favorite catchphrases from the Attitude that's, Era. That's good stuff. Yeah, I liked it. What's your number three, Beverly? My number three is Have a Nice Day. I don't have any cool stories like being yelled at by an older sibling who creepily visited people at recess, <laughs> but um, no, didn't didn't have anything like that, but still liked it. Beverly Hills. My number two has to be, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Just because how, you know, whenever Stone Cold asks the fans a question, you want to yep. see me open up a can of on Vince McMahon, give me a, oh, hell yeah. And obviously the fans always said, oh, hell yeah, for they can yeah. swear with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that has to be my number two. Nice, okay. My number two is, we got two words for you. Beverly Hills. Yep. Yes, I got it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's That's mine. Number two, yeah, that, I, DX definitely was my favorite uh, of the Attitude Era, especially you know in 1998 when I really kind of got back into wrestling, and uh, they were they were tops for me. And you you know you guys talked a lot about on what I remember that it doesn't really hold well over time, and I would agree with you. But man, at the time I was just woo. I was that 12 year old boy that they were talking about that that's who they were marketing toward, and it worked. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Then just because you were uh, giving me some crap during our commercial break, Beverly Hills, I switched up what was supposed to be my number five with what is my number one now. 
Oh, oh my gosh, okay. Beverly Hills, my number one is your fire. <laughs> oh no, am I, are you firing me right now? No, that's just my number oh. one catchphrase, Beverly Hills. Okay, oh my gosh, I was literally afraid that, that I had been fired and you were just going to replace me with all your awesome guests that you get. I am not Jason Mann from Russell's, Russell's perspective. What, does he, hire, does he fire people? No. He has a rotation of guests on for his podcast. Oh, okay, I understand. Okay, got it. But, no, yeah, that is my number one catchphrase, because I was going to be a jokester to you and have, that is the game plan as my number one, but I'm like, I, I can't. I, it might never it be one thing if it's my number five, but... Yeah, just because just to give you crap and it's not really that not that well known, and I'm trying to make it, you know throw it into our podcast at least once a podcast, if not more. Right. But yeah, the "You're Fired" by Vince McMahon is still popular. Okay, you good. Know, and all that, and and I, you know, it's just the WWE world, but how they were trying to put over who's your fighter is better, Vince McMahon's or Donald Trump's? Ah, <laughs> uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, fine. But I, even during that, during the time in college, uh, I think this is right around the time that we, when we first met, that even one of my coworkers and I would always give each other crap and say, "You're fired" to each other. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I remember that. So yeah, that that is my number one. Cool. My number one is, and that's the bottom line. What? Because Mr. Beverly Hills said so. Oh, okay. Good choice, Beverly Hills. Thank you, sir. So, do you have any closing comments for the podcast, Jack? I don't. It's been a fun time. It was nice. I knocked some rust off. Yes. I am happy. I had a fun time recording those two episodes with Captain Obvious, Trey Dent, and Brian Alvarez, but Beverly Hills. I am happy we're back to the regular episodes, and I'm happy that we're back, Jack. Reunited and it feels so good. And next week in the episode, Jack, we are finishing up the month of first. Okay. What are we covering? We got a big one. You guys just got to wait to see. Oh. I know I am excited to cover this, what, we're, what, what we will cover next weekend. I know Beverly Hills, you're excited Oh man, I am. It'd be something that we don't, we won't be doing that often. To give you guys a little hint. Yes. And I'll see for the plugs. You can check us out on our website, maineventstatus.com. Not statusforhaters.com. <laughs> maineventstatus.com. Yes. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash maineventstatusradio. Not facebook.com backslash statusforhaters. It's, hey, don't say it too much or else people start thinking they need to go there. That is true. Hey, still kicks us to our website. Facebook.com backslash main event status radio. On iTunes, search us out, main event status radio. And Beverly, how can they follow you on Twitter? Beverly Hills M-E-S. And for me, Dirty Dog M-E-S. That's dog as in D-A-W-G, Dirty Dog M-E-S. For Mr. Beverly Hills, I am the Dirty Dog. We'll catch you guys later.